Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Gordon Mott from the Great Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me is Jonathan Torres from the Great Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dalton Irvin from the Great Diocese of Victoria, Texas. The uh, Let's pray. Um, we'll start with the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so I thought that maybe for today's show we could talk about the anointing of the sick. But before we get into that, since it's one of the seven sacraments of the church, I thought maybe we would start with just kind of a little general overview of the, the sacraments. So maybe we can talk about what's a sacrament anyways? Yeah. Oh, this is our test. <laughs> um, well, there, well we just homework. covered this in sacraments class, right? That was last semester, and I didn't make a great grade. <laughs> a sacrament is a sign instituted by Christ. There you are. To do something with grace. What does it do? No. It's an outward sign of an inward reality, right? Well, some the, uh, may not so argue. The, uh, so the catechism lists it. This is Christ institutes the sacraments of the new law. There's seven, baptism, confirmation, the Eucharist, penance, the anointing of the sick, holy odors, and matrimony. They touch all the stages and all the important moments of Christian life. They give birth and increase healing and mission to the, you know, to the Christian's life of faith. There's thus a certain resemblance between the stages of natural life and the stages of the spiritual life, right? So then, you know, God willing, you get baptized first, right? And then in the Eastern Church... They'll give you confirmation at the same time, you know? So, you know, and I believe they actually give you Eucharist at the same time, mm-hmm. too, don't you? They, mm-hmm. yeah, they give you all three at once. The uh, So then maybe we can just talk like, okay, so those would be what we call the sacraments of initiation. Why would we probably call them the sacraments of initiation? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of the gateway. Uh, exactly. The gateway drug, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> No, the uh, baptism First one's is, free. Yeah, right. Uh, baptism is the gateway to all graces, um, a sacram- um, sanctifying grace, right? And so uh, through baptism, you become a child of God. You are initiated into this community of the church. Uh, and also, there's another facet of um, the the remission of original sin um, as yeah. well. So, um, And so, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's kind of... Um, you know, in short, why we call that an, a sacrament of initiation. Yeah, I mean, you're initiated into, you know, God's love as a beloved spiritual child. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I take issue with a lot of the ways that we talk about baptism as the gateway or anything. Baptiz- in baptism, you become Christian. It You don't mm-hmm. become any more Christian with any other sacrament. You become less Christian maybe in how you act with your sinfulness. Mm-hmm. But in baptism, that's it. I mean, you're confirmed later on. But that's just your own kind of submission to doing what you did as yeah. an infant, right? More or less. But at baptism, you are fully initiated into the church, right? Into the life of grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't. To me, baptism should have its own. It is initiation. Maybe Eucharist and right, confirmation sure. should yeah. be something else, right? 
we, in my yeah. own opinion. No, that's true. And we do group them as sacraments of initiation. But there is that misunderstanding that at confirmation, you become more of a Christian, yeah. as it were. And I think that that is a false understanding. Or you become um, fully Catholic or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, you you mean that, you know, confirmation isn't Catholic graduation and I don't right. have to learn anymore? Yeah, right, right, right. The, uh, so yeah, uh, and, you know, the catechism talks about, you know, how uh, they lay the foundations of a Christian life. And I think that's really, you know, the... Um, the the crux of why we would refer to these as Christian issues because you're right, Dalton. You know, once you're baptized, you're a spiritual son of God. You know, beloved, and you know, the uh, so you're not going to get more beloved, you know, by mm-hmm. by by receiving subsequent. Um, but I mean, that doesn't mean that they're unimportant, right? Because with you know confirmation, we receive the fullness of the the, the graces from the Holy Spirit, right? The uh, and then with the Eucharist, we get the indwelling of Christ. Right. You know. Yeah, but th- so here's here's the thing. This is me kind of mulling over this. This is what I think about in sacraments class, but I don't talk about because, well, I'm just going <laughs> to sit over there and do my own thing. But uh, so we hear in Scripture that you cannot go to, you know, you don't go to heaven unless you're baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then you hear later on in John 6, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Mm. I don't know. These seem like, is it both and? Is it either or? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like you have to open the door before you can go inside the dwelling, right? The, uh, I don't know. (laughs) And so like, you know, that's, and that's the whole point is that, you know, we receive the Eucharist, you get the indwelling. So the, um, but the uh, so then, if we refer back to you know the catechism, right? The faithful are born anew by baptism, strengthened by the sacrament of confirmation, receive in the Eucharist the food of eternal life. By means of these sacraments, they receive an increasing measure the treasures of the divine life and advance toward the perfection of charity, which I think is fair, right? The, yeah, uh, I think maybe the the uh, a helpful way to understand this idea of the sacraments of initiation building on each other is perhaps not that we get more like as if we're half full at baptism and then we get the other half full at confirmation. If maybe our capacity grows. Bingo. Perhaps that's a, a helpful way to understand yeah. it. Uh, we talk about the sacrament of confirmation as strengthening the gifts mm-hmm. that we've received. Exactly. And so there's not the, the language that it uh, completes them, I think is a little misguided. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say the least. Exactly. Um, that's just, that's my understanding. Um, well, you know, so then you go forward in in the catechism and, you know, so like 1420. The, that's uh, forward by 208 <laughs> paragraphs. There you <laughs> are. To those of you following along. There you are. <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, so it says, you know, through the sacraments of Christian initiation, man receives new life in Christ. But we carry this life in earthen vessels it remains hidden in Christ and God. We're still in our earthly tent, subject to suffering, illness, and death. You know, the new, this new life as a child of God can be weakened and even lost by sin. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't ever become unbaptized by virtue of sin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have a, an unalterable tie that's always there. But certainly, you know, if you're going to use a, like a video game metaphor, your health meter goes up and down, you know, in accord with how you fall into sin, mm-hmm. you know. That one mortal sin can destroy years of of, of you know growth and graces, mm-hmm. um, 
And that's why confession is so important. Go to confession, everybody. The, uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, and so then you kind of move on into the, uh, the sacraments of healing, right? So that's penance and reconciliation, confession, mm-hmm. uh, or anointing of the sick. Um, you know, so, you know, you go back and the Lord Jesus Christ, physician of our souls and bodies who forgave the sins of the paralytic and restored him to bodily health, willed that his church continue in the power of the Holy Spirit, his work of healing and salvation, even among her own members. And that's the whole point of the two sacraments of healing, penance and of anointing of the sick, you know. The, um, you know, kind of goes back to, I made reference in another show uh, about Pope Francis referring to sin as a wound that's visible, that's, that needs treatment, that's not a spot that has to be dry cleaned out, mm-hmm. you know. It's not one and done, it's it's treatment, you know, from the divine physician. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, which kind of goes back to this idea of the, the necessity of the, you know, the sacraments of healing to, to be able to kind of restore what we lose by you know, the stupid choices that we make. Um, so then, you know, so now we have baptism, confirmation, Eucharist as sacraments of initiation. Um, and then we have penance, reconciliation, and anointing of the sick as sacraments of healing. So what about sacraments of service? That's not a term that we hear a lot, right? Holy orders and matrimony. Why might we call those sacraments of service? Well, I think it's the idea that in these vocations, you are... In these sacraments, a person enters into a vocation, a calling by God, a personal calling that is meant to give of oneself back exactly. to the church. Um, and so it is uh, communal based uh, in yeah. a sense. So. The, uh, you know, and go back to the catechism again, 1533, you know, or 1534, excuse me. Two other sacraments, holy orders and matrimony are directed toward the salvation of others. If they contribute as well to personal salvation, it's through the service to others that they do so. You know, the the vocation to marriage, you know, is about you as much as it is, is it about the person that you're marrying? Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of a sacrament is to get you into heaven, right? And the whole point of a vocation is, you know, growth and holiness. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why marriage is not a walk in the park. Unfortunately, it is not like romantic comedies. And the biggest struggle is, you know, which his and hers towels to buy, right? The, uh, that you're both just struggling to get each other into heaven. Yeah. You know? It is interesting that the, the the traditional vocations of life, priesthood, marriage, and religious orders, uh-huh. um, only two of those are sacraments. Mm-hmm. But religious mm-hmm. orders is not considered a sacrament. Yeah. But it seems to me like it's still in service as much as the other two. Yeah. You know? It's just an interesting it is. question. It's always something that I've thought about yeah. as well. And so I don't know how that fits into the sacramental life and and how th- this language of sacraments of service, how how does that fit in with that idea as well? Yeah, it's when I think the church has wrestled with that also because I know when I was taught vocations, you were taught uh religious life, marriage and single. Right. 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 And it didn't even specifically call holy orders holy orders. Right. It just was religious. Life. Right. And then, so the, I think that led to mistaken view that uh, a priest is a religious, which is yeah. not true. Yeah, not necessarily true. Yeah, so I, I remember getting that a struggle. lot when I went to seminary. It's like, oh, so you were going to be a, or what are you going to be? Like a Franciscan or a Dominican? It's like um, diocesan. Well, yeah. what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Just throwing that out in yeah. the ether <laughs> yeah. to think about. So yeah, turning back to marriage also as a sacrament of service, 
it's not only service of, of between spouses, one to the other. It's also their service to the world in that when the world looks at a married couple, we're supposed to see the mirrored image of Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're not only helping one another get to heaven, but they're drawing even priests yeah. should look at them and say, I should be sacrificing for this parish that I'm at, for this yeah. diocese I'm serving, the same way that that man is is giving his life for his wife and, and vice versa. Right, right. And I think that's something that uh, maybe in the church, you know, we put uh, holy orders as a noble vocation up on a pedestal sometimes um, and take matrimony because so many more people do seem to be called to that mm-hmm. vocation um, as just the status quo when really – Matrimony serves as an example even for the priests right, right. of what they're called to do. Just because it's more uh, common doesn't mean it's less important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's, that's an excellent point. I think all of our vocations, and I know this is a little bit aside from the sacramental uh, yeah. Yeah. topic that we're on, but all of our vocations are supposed to spread outside of our own personal communities. Yeah. And so if you are a good priest, that's going to not only spill over into your parish, but the, your parishioners' lives and their communities as well. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with marriage, of course. If they're truly loving each other, that is going to result in children. That's going to result in the communities that they interact with. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it is ultimately world-changing, not just yeah. personal, mm-hmm. personal yeah, life-changing. I mean, and I think that there's a lot of value to that, right? Because this choice to be radically other, you know, to put the, the other person in front of yourself uh, or above yourself, uh, it, it, it has a ripple effect, mm-hmm. you know? And you never really know how far that those things reach out. And I know that in my vocational discernment, I've been, I've been radically edified by a number of, you know, holy married people that I know yeah. that give a profound example of this, what it really means to be radically other. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the seminarian show on St. Gabriel Catholic radio, AM eight twenty. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and Sunday at 1 PM and, of course, in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Gordon Mott from the Diocese of Columbus, Ohio. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Jonathan Torres from Charlotte. So we, uh, we were just wrapping up talking about you know, this idea of um, sacraments of service. And, you know, it, it might be good now that we've kind of done kind of a, a general overview of the sacraments and uh, to kind of just touch on anointing of the sick. The uh, so what is anointing of the sick? So I mean, so like, what what even happens there? Well, Gordon, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on, right? Like, so you're anointing, so there's oil involved, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's prayers for the the person that's in need, right? The uh, and that is, you know, in imitation, pale imitation of our Lord's service to others, who was always using you know, things that were of earthy nature to, in order to, to heal and to touch and to go out. The, um, you know, so we've got that great catechism to refer back to again. The, uh, you know, 1500, right? The uh, illness and suffering has always been among the gravest problems confronted in human life. An illness, man experiences his powerlessness, his limitations, and his finitude. Every illness can make us glimpse death, it can lead to anguish, self-absorption, sometimes even despair and revolt against God. It can also make a person more mature, helping him discern in his life what is not essential so that he can turn to that which is, you know. The, uh, 
And so the this this idea of you know going out and anointing the sick is really about going out anointing the sick, you know, repairing this rupture. I'm always edified by. I see Dalton has the the ritual for uh, bringing communion to the sick uh, with him. And there's this line in the instruction that says when a person is sick um, and can't be a part of their uh, their parish community, it represents a visible rupture, and it uses this language of wound. Mm. You know, and so then, like, we would go bring the Eucharist to somebody in order to, you know, heal that divide and, you know, kind of confront this notion that they may have that they're alone and nobody cares. When the reality is, is that, you know, we're bridging that divide and welcoming them into the, the wider Christian community that's always praying for them. Yeah. Right. The, um, the, uh, you know, so we go back to like the the catechism again. You know, he uses science to heal. He so Jesus uses spittle and the laying on of hands. Thankfully, we don't use spittle, <laughs> right? <laughs> we use the oil of the infirm, mm-hmm. which uh, you know is blessed every year at the the chrism mass. The same with the the other two oils that we use. The uh, have you ever actually been present when somebody was received the the anointing of the yeah, sick? Yeah, yes. The I, have. Uh, I mean, do you, do you maybe want to talk about that? Because like I. I've been there a couple of times, and it's always yeah, just well, almost an indescribable experience, right? There was yeah, there was one time actually. Um, Please describe this indescribable. Experience. <laughs> 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 well, to be honest, I remember it wasn't as striking because it was very rushed. We were in it was actually in Mexico, uh, uh-huh. and a priest was doing it in Latin. I was with the uh, FSSP community down there, and um, he did it kind of last minute. Because he learned that the the man needed anointing when he assumed that he didn't need it at first, and there were still I don't know forty other people that he had oh, to. Wow. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just a hallway with sick people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the standards are much lower in Mexico and yeah, in their yeah. medical uh, yeah. situation there. But uh, yeah, and so I remember just holding the booklet, and he was saying all these prayers in Latin, and he did the anointing very quickly. Uh, but I remember the man was very consoled uh, when he received the anointing. Mm-hmm. And it struck me how later in, in thinking about it, at the time, it was just very rushed and hectic. But And this is really, in general, sacraments are always have a, have a um, material quality to them, right? Matter and form. Uh, and so this idea of seeing the oil, you know, and seeing a priest in this moment of great suffering, I think since being humans with bodies, we interact with this material reality and it helps us focus. It, it leads us to a more universal and spiritual idea. Uh, that's, that's the same with any sacrament, right? Baptism with water, um, the, uh, the Holy Eucharist, we use bread and wine. So it, even in marriage, it's, it's the, the bond between husband and wife. That's mm-hmm. the matter in in marriage is man and woman. And so with the anointing of the sick, this this sign of oil, which traditionally oil was always used to cleanse and to to heal, right? Mm-hmm. And so that sign helps us focus on the reality that's being present presently made. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, and the smell, <laughs> you know, the uh uh the smell is one of the greatest smells. Um can't beat chrism, but it's it's still the uh um so do you do you do you have to be Catholic to receive the anointing of the sick? Yeah. 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 
The uh, uh, are well, you smarter than a fifth grade CCD <laughs> student? Huh? I know, right? I, I think also like just recognizing in our church um, for a while now, there's been this misunderstanding with anointing of the sick, um, used to called last rites or mm-hmm. extreme oh, yeah. unction. And so people considered this to be the last thing, you know. So you call the priest at the very end when the, you know, when the eyes are closing, call the priest and get him over here for grandma. We'll have the candles lit, the salt and water is all yeah. here. Grab the last right little crucifix off the wall, get everything <laughs> set up, and, and, and we're waiting until the end because mm-hmm. this can only happen once, which is really the misunderstanding of the sacrament that, that we seek this sacrament every time. Uh, we need God's strength and grace in times of suffering and mm-hmm. illness before a surgery procedure, right? And and that's why there's actually three different forms of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick mm-hmm. uh, within the context of the Mass, outside of the Mass, in a hospital or institution. Mm-hmm. And then I guess also maybe like a a fourth one, which would be in an emergency, the priest is just slamming oil wherever yeah, he can get yeah. it and—, and um, no readings, no antiphons, no extra prayers, just, right. um, just the sacrament itself. The, uh, and it's, it's funny that you, you bring up the whole like misconception of the last rites thing, right? I was over last summer, I, my parish assignment, uh, I got a chance to be present for a number of these things. And so I and father were at the, the local hospital and to anoint one of his parishioners when he sees another one that's there, um, and was in pretty bad shape, but not bad enough to see Father with the oils in his hands and literally run away saying, you're not going to anoint me. I don't want to die yet. Mm. And it's like, well, that's kind of not the point, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. The uh, There's a, a famous story. So there's a, a local group of uh, religious sisters, the Dominican Sisters of Peace. And there was a, a lady there, uh, Sister Farah Impasta, who's the, the stuff of legend that they love to talk about. And Sister Farah Impasto was this uh, tough old uh, school teacher who used to go on the uh, out in uh, the Louisiana Bayou and find these remote villages in order mm. to teach and and catechize the kids. Um, and then when you know all the floodings and stuff happened, she fell ill and she had to move into their hospital. And this lady received the anointing of the six the, the anointing of the sick eighteen times. Eighteen times they were sure as anything she was on her deathbed. And then 18 times she sprung back and she was back harassing everybody and being a giant pain, you know, a pain that they loved. But still, like, you know, didn't we just annoy you? Weren't you just on your deathbed yesterday? Yeah, yeah. You know, huh. the, uh, But at the same time, you know, I was present for one that uh, we walked into the room and it, it's never ceased to struck me. It's like no matter how far gone a person is or how unresponsive, you just start with the prayers and all of a sudden you see lips start moving. And they're praying with you, you know, and mm. sometimes they even open up their eyes. The, um, there was, there was one lady that we went to go visit who was in just terrible pain. Actually, this might've been last year during the apostolic, but she was in terrible pain. Um, I mean, clearly dying and the, uh, and she, she was hurting so bad she could barely speak and she received so much consolation from the administration of the sacrament that she was just laying there breathing deep and not moaning and not crying. And and she was actually able to talk a little bit. And that was just wow to see, you know, the different ways that God brings the needed and necessary healing. 
Because, I mean, you get anointed, you're not necessarily going to go into remission from end-stage cancer. Right. You know, that's not saying you won't. Mm-hmm. But the healing that you get is the healing that's really that you need in order to be able to, you know, follow along with God's plan for your individual salvation. Right. Yeah. I think one of, in my experience of the anointing of the sick, um, during my time in at the parish last year with uh, my pastoral year, following the pastor around all of his little things he was doing, um, was seeing the relationship he had with the Protestant hospice chaplain in town Mm -hmm. and with the hospital chaplains who, if they had a Catholic, even if the family hadn't requested or the person hadn't requested, they would call the pastor and say, I just wanted you to know one of your parishioners is either dying or one of your parishioners is in the hospital um, and would probably like to see a priest. And so just seeing the need for good relations between ministers um, relating then to our Catholic sacramental life uh, was really important and really transformative in my own view of, of ecumenism and, and kind of the life of, of Catholics in the community who maybe are not Sunday mass goers, mm-hmm. um, who may fall off by the wayside but who still deserve and have a right to the sacrament of the anointing when they fall ill. Well, yeah, and that was definitely a thing I was very edified by as well. Is like, And it underscores the importance of good relation and, and ecumenism, right? Is, you know, the, the hospital down uh, where my summer assignment was, you know, we got a, a list, but we had a good enough term with all the, the Protestant chaplains that sometimes you'd show up and they'd scribble down extra names on your list. Like, well, this person checked in and they didn't report as Catholic, mm-hmm. but they said they'd like a visit. It's like, well, thanks. Thank, thanks be to God for you, you know, for yeah. being kind enough to ask. Absolutely. The, um, one well, that's, that's one of the things that's always struck me too, is like, you know, this whole idea of, of, a, of accompaniment, you know, when the person's dealing with, uh, with struggle and trial, um, so, like in the 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 right book that we use for um, for bringing the Eucharist to the sick, um, there are other sets of prayers that are usable as well. You know, so like there's the commendation of the dying, which you know you can involve everybody in. Yeah. Um, and it's always nice that the the whole family can can join in these these prayers of commendation, and you see healing that you know spreads more than just the person directly affected. Well, that uh, that about wraps up our show for today. I'm Gordon Mott from the Diocese of Columbus. Uh, with me, Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Jonathan Torres from the Diocese of Charlotte. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can hear this show every Saturday at 11.30 and Sunday at 1, and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. So let's close with a prayer for, uh, well, just the healing of the world through the intercession of Blessed Mother. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God love you all. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.